this is Jay Cook, and welcome to another episode of Maristem, a podcast where we talk about the ways we grow and change. Um, we're spending another episode talking about one of our favorite episodes of a podcast. Um, and this week, well, not that we do a weekly podcast, but this night we're talking about the Vox podcast. Um, and I'm joined by my sister, Bria Cook. Thanks Hi. for being here, Bria. Thanks for having me. Um, we are both big fans of the Vox podcast, have uh, really gotten into it in the last year or so. Um, the Vox podcast is hosted by Mike Erie, um, a guy who's a former pastor, church pastor, kind of traditional church pastor, I guess, and then mega church pastor, and then uh, kind of decided to move on from that and uh, started this podcast. And uh, one of the things I really love about it is it is a place where he really dives into and some of his other guests dive into controversial subjects and interesting subjects and he kind of goes places where he talks to people that believe differently than him or, um, you know, kind of stretch his own understanding of things. And I, I really value that about the podcast. Um, what is it, what is it that you've really kind of enjoyed about the Vox podcast? I, yeah, I like that. Um, cause as a, our church in Boston has been going through kind of a period of questioning, even just the format of Sunday, like the very heavy Sunday focus, uh, around the church body, and I like that he has explored a lot of those topics and created a community around a podcast, not really a church, um, and just explored what that what that means and why that might be, um, you know, kind of a future for some Christians. Yeah, and we'll talk a lot about more of this in the actual episode that we're kind of talking about. But one of the subjects that I think Mike is really interested in talking about is deconstruction and sort of examining <coughs> our faith and the practices of our faith and why do we do the things we do and are they mm -hmm. important? And mm -hmm. um, one of the big parts of that is church, like how we do church. Um, mm -hmm. I my, One of my favorite things to think about and to hear other people, very smart people talk about, which Mike is a really smart guy, is uh, just sort of American culture, American Christian mm -hmm. culture in particular and mm -hmm. what what's going on and where things are going and why things are happening the way they are. Um, and uh, I think this podcast does a good job of that. So if any of that sounds interesting, you should definitely check out the Vox Podcast. We are talking about a specific episode, um, number 221, and it is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is a doozy of a title. Mm -hmm. um, the main guest is John Mark Comer, who has written a book with that same title. Um, and uh, Mike goes kind of back a ways with John Mark Comer. They, they knew each other from a long time ago. Um, and they kind of start the podcast out with that. <laughs> it's a long, a lot of uh, them kind of catching up and making fun of each other a little bit. Um, and I, I'm interested to go in a bunch of different directions. The, the, I feel like a good podcast like this, I end the podcast and I think about three other things I want to check out. I want to check out this guy's book. I want to uh -huh. check out a couple of the guys they talk about or different podcasts they talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, but just in general, what what stood out to you about this podcast? Not you know, don't, don't dive into the, some of the finer points, but just sort of in general, what was interesting to you about it? Uh huh. Yeah, I um, I think I shared this with you, but I I have been really attracted to. I've not said it this way, but I the way they classified it as like spiritual formation practices in the last I'd say five years, and so I thought that that was really cool how they framed that there are a lot of things that the church 
does a really good job of teaching and instilling in people that are kind of like early walk with Christ, um, spiritual practices. But then when it comes to like maturing and spiritual formation, we kind of leave people hanging Mm. and, um, and people are, have gone outside of the church, you know, like they look a lot of different places for that, but I like that they gave it like a spiritual context to it and talked about spiritual formation. That was my, my biggest takeaway. Yeah. And I think spiritual formation is the broader conversation. This podcast is sort of centered around the, the book itself, the ruthless elimination of hurry is an element of spiritual formation, maybe. Um, yeah. Which seems like John Mark Comer is really intensely focused on spiritual formation and how to do that. Yeah. Uh, he said one of the things that defines his ministry and what he does is how people change that question. Yep. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Obviously, this is something that's interesting to us in the podcast, but also just that being a, a driving force for someone who's in ministry, someone who is teaching and leading other people. Um, you know, it is funny. I, I don't want to take us off track too much, but I think it was interesting that I feel like he did. He set up a good, lots of good examples, and Mike here did too. Lots of good examples of things we've done wrong with how people change or giving people tools to change. Uh huh. But maybe didn't give us the next steps of uh-huh. to define what is the what is the working theory of change. They, yeah. they use that that phrase a lot. The working theory of change. And, yeah. And I think that what that means is like when you. When you work with people and you're trying to teach them or help them grow, you have a working theory of change, whether you would say that or not. You have a theory of what is going to make them change. Um, and and he was sort of saying what – he alluded to the ways that his church has d- kind of settled on something and then how, he, yeah. how he's changed and his belief in that. But it didn't exactly define it, and I think that's interesting. It makes me want to listen to more of his stuff a little bit. So. Maybe he wants you to read the book, and that's why yeah. I gave you the teaser. <laughs> no, I think that's true because he was saying um, – one thing that really stood out to me is when he was talking about his, he had a bit of an out of body experience while teaching and he realized he'd really focused on exegesis for his whole teaching career and just like what the words of Jesus are about or what they are, like what Jesus said right? and not teaching people how to obey. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of true that you, when you say that, that there wasn't a lot of how in this podcast, but it it made me think when I was listening to it too, like, can you teach someone else how to obey Jesus? Like, I don't know. It just feels very personal too. Right. So I was just picturing him teaching a large room of people and just thinking like, well, you know, every person in that room is going to have a different way that they, mm. um, you know, take the words of Jesus and really internalize them and yeah. obey. Yeah, one of the themes that they came up with or sort of set up as, as they began was um, the difference between the information and more understanding and then actually formation and things changing and, mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. constructed as mm-hmm. far as your spiritual walk. And they, they talked about all the spiritual deconstruction that's happening. This is one right. of the points I thought was really, really interesting. All the spiritual deconstructing that's happening that we feel motivated to do. And I think that's true. I think our generation, I think if you're younger than the modern generation, basically you uh-huh. have been interested in deconstruction in some way. Uh-huh. Um, but he said that can be empty without, 
construction without actual uh-huh. spiritual formation, something moving in a positive way. And that, that rung true to me. I, I know we're getting a little bit off track, but that rung true to me with when I think about, you know, some of the famous people that have kind of fallen away from faith lately uh-huh. in the last 10 years or so. Um, Josh Harris is a good example. I, I read his book when I was in college about right. dating oh, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know lust and those kind of things. And I thought it was really interesting and good. And he was this important leader in his church and uh, recently kind of walked away from faith. And yeah. I think, I think that could be, I'm not trying to simplify his situation, but I think some of this stuff is the result of we are embracing deconstruction, but we're not doing any reconstructing, you know, we're not right. giving people spiritual fruit to hang on to or, or meat to hang on to. Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so they talked about a lot of different things here and I think went down some rabbit holes. I, I pulled out a few quotes that I thought were really interesting or, um, <laughs> particular things that were, I thought were really helpful. Um, they, they talked about, uh, a theory of change and, and different ways that we have seen that happen. Um, one of them through kind of the reformation, the, uh-huh. the theory of change was sort of try harder. Uh-huh. Um, and they dove into that a little bit more of like, read your Bible, pray, tithe, and go to church. And that's kind of, and try really hard at those things. And that's how you'll change. Yeah. Um, and then the sort of more charismatic version of that, of, Worship and and experience uh-huh. God and then sort of hope God zaps you. I don't want to reduce that too much, but that's sort of what they're saying. There's like these two extremes, and they said that neither of those are complete by themselves. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you What do you think about some of their thoughts about the Reformation and uh, um, Martin Luther and some of those those parts? Yeah, I like that. I thought it was pretty balanced because he <coughs> he brought up some, you know balanced thoughts about luther himself but also um yeah just saying you know there there's been some damage by you know just how the reformation has framed some thinking about um what the gospel is i thought that was really mm-hmm, interesting mm-hmm. like reducing the gospel to just justification through faith and not works rather than like the the holistic actual kingdom of god um and i thought that was really pretty interesting like you know when you zero in in that way you know just thinking about what damage that could do or has done um so yeah i thought that was really good and i i definitely identified with the willpower theory of change like just feeling like that was what i was taught or maybe just the only tools that i had when i felt like man i'm like really messing this thing up in terms of walking with God, like, okay, well, just try harder. <laughs> um, and so that just felt kind of familiar and good to call out of like, yeah, that is, that is oftentimes what the church was teaching and, and we didn't have a lot of other like tools or suggestions for, um, for change or, you know, just growing closer to God. Yeah. In, in some ways that is good and helpful, but then other ways it, it doesn't, it's a really incomplete picture of how to relate to God or how to have a relationship with mm-hmm. him. Um, mm-hmm. because yeah, it, it, I think one that it, you were talking about the reformation and, and, uh, the, uh, gospel of justification, justification by grace through faith and not, and no works involved. Uh-huh. Um, and he said, I thought that something was really smart that grace in that 
in that gospel is defined as unmerited favor. Yeah. Um, and that works were defined as any self-effort. And then both of those definitions were pretty wrong. Yeah. That grace should really be defined more something like God's presence, like the, the yeah. relationship that you have with God. Yeah. And that works is much more helpful to say that the law, the Torah, the law of the Old Testament is no longer needed for you to be saved. But that right. self-effort is actually crucial to you right. being in relationship with God and being able to see spiritual growth happen, um, which I get that. I feel like I felt that tension my whole life, Yeah, uh, the tension between works and faith. Yeah. Um, and some of that is okay. That's paradoxical. You know, some, some of what God teaches us is paradoxical. It seems like it doesn't make right. sense. Um, but some of it is also, I think, through the lens of the Reformation, sort of what they're saying. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I, I don't know if that's the first time I've thought of that, or it might be, though. It might be the first time I really felt like I've, I saw that. Um, that was the first time I've ever heard someone say that. Like, uh, It was interesting to hear that if you replace the word grace with, like, forms of the Holy Spirit in us, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that's actually more fitting. I mean, I, w- I should do it for myself. Right, There's a right. lot I of... I just heard a guy say it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, I mean, but, he, but that's what he said. He said, if you replace grace with unmerited favor, it doesn't make sense a lot of the time. <coughs> um, but if you replace the word grace in the New Testament with God's presence, then it makes a lot more sense. Yep. Um, yeah. Which I think is interesting. Yeah. At least to think about how that changes assumptions we might have made about the gospel. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of see this is a place where they're free to explore some of these ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I like the freedom to be able to disagree with them as well, you know, and kind of feel like uh-huh. I don't, I don't know that I agree with you, but I'm, I'm interested in you at least exploring the space. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Does So we both kind of maybe, don't like to be in a place where we're disagreeing with people or having conflict with people. But um, how does it feel to listen to a podcast where they kind of go, they, they freely go out into places that you might not 100% agree with what they're saying or kind of <coughs> be on board with what they're talking about. I think I really like listening to stuff that is very different than what the way that I think or my comfort zone. So I almost like, real more at things that are like, Ooh, that smells of like evangelical church culture. And Mm, so mm -hmm. I, I almost have a bias against that. So I was, I was on board with that. And actually there were a few times where I was like thinking, um, John Mark Comer is a little more conservative than I am or, um, which is funny because I, I mean, I, I think I mostly agreed with him. Um, but yeah, I, you're right. I don't like to um, disagree openly with people, but I really, I mostly listen to things that are very outside of my like traditional yeah. upbringing. Well, so uh, John, Mo- John Mark Comer has another podcast that's been yeah. pretty popular. I started listening to as a result of this podcast. It's called uh-huh. This Cultural Moment. Did you, did you say you started listening to it as well? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, and you're right. Like <coughs> Hearing him there, he's... He's more conservative, but in a weird way. Like, yeah. a, I don't know. It, it's like a, outside of what I would traditionally call conservative. Uh, but right. it's very interesting. And, and it go, yeah. dives way more into that subject that I like a lot, which is examining culture. Um, he said uh-huh. that the impetus for that 
podcast was a little bit of what we just said of there's all this deconstruction going on. What is that doing for right. us? And, and the, he and the guy who started it sort of said, instead of spending all this time deconstructing church, deconstructing Christian faith, let's deconstruct secular culture. Like, let's look at the thing yeah. that we're, 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 it's going unexamined in this time, uh-huh. in this place. And I thought that was interesting. And um, they do that. And they do that well, I think. Yeah. I, sometimes it goes off the deep end a little bit, but. Right. Um, but I really like some of the things they talk about on that. So check that out if you're interested. Um, so they kind of move to more conversations about working theories of change. Uh-huh. Um, so previously they said uh, the working theory of change of just uh, try harder, I guess. Was that how they described What was the name they gave that? Yeah, the like willpower. Th- the willpower theory of change. Theory Is that change. correct? So that they, they kind of tore that up a little bit, I think. Um, yeah. I think they also tore up the the theory of change of just sort of waiting on God to zap you and change uh-huh. change things for you. Uh-huh. Um, and so one of the ways that they offered up a replacement for that is a theory of relational change, or uh-huh. relational theory of change. Yep. Um, bringing up, uh, what was that guy's name? Do you remember? Um, from Biola University. I can't remember his name, but he's oh, a professor. Yeah. No, I can't remember. They talked about him a bunch, and, yeah. and he sort of kind of came up with this idea yeah. of re- relational theory of change. Um and I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, I guess it's about the relationship with God through the Holy Spirit is how change happens. Mm-hmm. But that feels so... It, I feel like I agree with that, but it also feels really like so many wide open holes in that. Like, what does that mean? How do you do right. that? Right. Uh, what, what did you kind of think about them offering that up as a alternative? Well, and... I liked when they started saying, talking about what Jesus's theory was mm-hmm. of change, which is abide in Christ, abide in Him. Right. Yep. Yep. And uh, that was cool for me. It's interesting because at our wedding we um, had the verse about um, you know abiding in me, or I'm the vine. Um, you know, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. And I, I felt like at our wedding, I was kind of like. Eric suggested it, my husband, and I was like, cool, yeah, that sounds good. But that verse has just continued to mean mm. a lot to me. Um, and that concept of just like, that's kind of like what God's asking of us, what Christ is saying, like how he will help us bear fruit, like how he will um, take care of us, like what his design is for us is really just abide, which sounds like, really freeing and so i liked that 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 was like i I feel like that's the theory that we that i really took away is like okay so that's kind of the thing to focus on to your point i don't think they really answered these questions but they pose some good questions about so then how do you cultivate abiding through your spiritual practice Mm -hmm. yeah and he started to share, John Mark started to share the working theory of change for his church. Yeah. Um, when he said uh, practice and community were two elements uh-huh. of that. Yeah. So to me, that means practice like I'm doing spiritual things. Yes. We can call them spiritual disciplines. We can yeah. call them a lot of different things, but I'm doing spiritual things, which I think normal church does a lot of that. Yeah. Like traditional American Christian church does a lot of that, yep. whether it's worship 
or uh, reading the word through a sermon that's preached. Yeah. Um, but I think if that was more of a focus, there would be more time for meditation, time for right. um, uncomfortable silence with God, and some of yeah. those things that I think uh, we're not okay with. And and it kind of wraps back around a little bit to his book, right? The uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and yep. how <clears throat> that we can we can talk about the theory of change and the elements of change all we want to, but. Um, evidently a big part of why that's not, uh, successful is we are hurried and busy people. Right. Um, yeah. So you talk to a psychiatrist or a psychologist in his area and that's what he said, basically, this is good. This is a good theory of change, but you need to know that most people will not be able to do this because they're just too busy. Yeah. Um, I don't know what did that, do you feel like that impacts you? Does that change how you think about your own life? I thought that made me so sad when he was like, people are too busy to become the people they want to be. Yeah. He said, people are too busy to to live emotionally and spiritually healthy lives. Yeah. And that was like, oh, that was a big aha for me. It's just like, I like it because we're like starting a new decade and it's like a good time to think about like, I, I do think that happens in life. You like look up and you're like, whoa, 10 years passed and like. You know, how did I, this thing that I really wanted to work on, how did I let that like slip through my fingers? And I think it is just that like day-to-day busyness that we kind of celebrate in our culture and um, have a lot of understanding for. Um, Whereas people who like really create space and I don't know, say no to things and stuff, that's just... Rest. Yeah. Not so common. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it makes me think about all the things that are vying for uh-huh. our attention, uh-huh. entertainment, uh, all, a lot of good things, whether it's family time or life group or yeah. um, your child's whatever thing that yeah. they're entertained by or what they want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and how, if it's good things that you have to eliminate, how much harder that is than if it was like, right. Hey, get rid of the sin in your life. You know, um, the other thing that I think is really hard about that for me is like comparing myself to other people. Again, back to that whole, like it is a very personal thing. Like you have just at any given time in your life, like different amounts of capacity for stuff. So I don't know. I'll look at some people and I'm like, wow, that is really like, I can tell that's life giving for them. And they're like, they're doing a lot through, you know, their church or something like that. And, um, and you know, comparing yourself is just never a great idea, but right. it's, it is hard to know. It takes a lot. I think of checking in with yourself, like self-awareness and like talking to God about like, what are the things that I say yes to? And what are the things that I say no to? Or just spend just, my time doing uh-huh. That I should give up and give it to you. Right. Yeah. Totally. I that was man, that might be the most convicting part of this podcast to me. Yeah. I, I think about time that I look at Twitter. Uh-huh. And if I had a bar graph and I looked at the yearly amount, you know, or something, yeah. how embarrassed I would be about that versus how much time I've spent praying yeah. or um I've talked about this before, but I read somebody saying that one of their New Year's resolutions was to be bored with God more. Huh. Yeah. 
and I think what that says to me is that we, we do, n- I don't have the capacity to sit there and be bored. Yeah. I have a million things to fill that boredom. Yeah. And if I'm sitting there and I'm praying and it's, there's, there's not a lot going on, you know, right. I don't feel like God's moving. I'm not really feeling the scripture I'm reading. I have a million things that really want to jump into that time, you know? Yep. In my brain. Um, and I don't think that's how we've been made. I don't, I don't think God's saying, Hey, this is what I want you to do because this is what I demand. I think he's telling us how we've been made or what's healthy for us, you know, yeah, is to not have that million things just at the beck and call of our fingertips at all times. Yeah. Instead of quiet and still and, yeah. and patience and some of those things. But yeah. Um, so they talk more about the relational, relational theory of change. Uh-huh. Um, and Mike Erie brought up a, uh, a, a sort of metaphor that I know that I'm going to be using this a lot in the future, which is that his favorite example of relational theory of change is becoming a husband and how that changed him. But the way it changed him wasn't that somebody gave him a list of what a husband should be uh-huh. or, or a list of, of things to do or ways to be. But instead he adopted the identity of husband to his uh-huh. wife. Uh-huh. Didn't really know what that meant necessarily. Yeah. At least, it's certainly not in a very deep way, um, but adopted that identity, sort of said, yes, this is who I am, and then sort of lived into it, and through the relationship, learned how to be a husband, and learned how to be, mm-hmm. um, and changed, ultimately, you know? And I think that's so, uh, in some ways, it's dangerously vague, Yeah. <laughs> but in other ways, it feels like, man, that's a really good description of what relational... Uh, change means and how it might work with us and God. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That, that, did that stand out to you at all? Or? I didn't get that fully. Like I'm getting it more now that you're talking about it. I'm wondering too here if this, this is where, cause something that I think will really stick with me is the parenting example yeah. mm-hmm. and like how that, that parenting relationship, like really examining, okay, how do you, when your kids are doing something you definitely don't want them to do how do you get them to change? And uh, Mike shared just exploring, well, okay, so how does God work through those things with me? Well, he sits in the weeds with me. You know, mm-hmm. he wants me mm-hmm. to, it's about allowing God to love you in your sin and your badness. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he was exploring, like, how does he do that with his kids? And I thought that was really really cool and it it makes me realize like that'll be so hard yeah to not just uh focus on the behavior like don't do that thing and that's a poor decision but or i need to protect you stop doing that thing right that endangers your life or endangers your right future or whatever and i even thought like okay but i'd always give my kid like the explanation why yeah but this took that even further, right? Is like, I'm just gonna spend time with you. I want to talk with you about like where your desire to do that thing comes from, and try to understand and, that. And not say I love you, but act out I love you. Right, right. Which is so. When you just said that, it made me realize what your goal was, and my goal is in parenting. A lot of time is like informational. Let me explain to you why that was wrong right. and why that was wrong. Right. And hopefully you'll agree with me and uh-huh. we'll, our relationship will continue. Whereas he's saying he's acting out a relationship that brings about change. Yeah. But, man, that sounds so 
good to hear on a podcast, but hard to, what in the world, where in the world would you start Yeah, that? Um, so I, I want to know more about that. I yeah. Think. I love the examples, you know, just like you come home, you know, your kid's done something wrong. They're upset. They don't want to talk to you. He just goes and reads a book at the foot of the kid's bed. Yeah. He stays with them in the midst of their brokenness. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. And like, if I'm that teenager, I'm going to hate that so much <laughs> for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I probably start crying and mm-hmm. want to talk about it. That's yeah, so true. That you're, that like you go through the grief of your own sin and yeah. then get to repentance through that relationship. And just kind of that knowing like, my dad's not going to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Even if I'm telling him to. Yeah. Out of whatever. Anger yeah. Or selfishness or, yeah. 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 I thought that was really powerful too. And I, um, so Bria and I both have children um, pretty young. Eva's son is a year in, no, not a month yet. So a year old. My Bria, not Eva. What did I say? Eva? Sorry. <laughs> My wife's name is Eva. My sister's name is Bria, and I get this mixed up all the time. A lot. Uh, so Bria's son is a year old. Yeah, a year old. Yeah. And mine and Eva's son is um, nine months old. And so a lot of this stuff is in theory, right? Like the the parenting we're doing is basically right. help them survive. Uh, but thinking about what it's like to be yeah. a parent going for it is really scary intimidating yeah. exciting yeah and some of this stuff is is it just makes me it kind of wets my appetite i want to learn more about some of that stuff so. yeah absolutely um so one last thing i want to talk about before we're done uh is they uh they talked about the enneagram which um i think i'm probably a lot more into than you um but very i definitely jumped on the the wave the fad of the enneagram lately um it felt like it it described me well, but yeah. it helped me know some things. Um, but they talked about it a little bit in this podcast, and I think it's probably just because the Enneagram is something I talk about a lot. What the way they talked about it in this podcast is something I'm going to take with me. Um, yeah, which is they they sort of f- express frustration with the Enneagram and how people use it now. Um, in that we sort of weaponize it, and yeah. kind of use it as a lingo and a way yeah. to pigeonhole some other people uh-huh. um but then also the thing that really i think is really important is that we use it for informational purposes and we don't use it for spiritual formation purposes uh-huh. yeah like it's actually like oh i just know more about myself not how do right. i grow spiritually right yeah with this you know yeah i don't know do you think do you think some of that was interesting yeah i definitely did i think um the the story about the jesuit priest practice of not sharing um, so he, he talked about um, the fact that when this was used by spiritual directors or still is um, in the Jesuit community, a lot of times they don't even tell you your number. Um, or maybe that's something they do, you know, years into the relationship. But um, it's kind of this sacred thing. And I that felt really, yeah, really important to me because I think it does feel bad when someone like tries to shortcut knowing you by knowing mm-hmm. your number mm-hmm. um and yeah then it just starts slapping certain labels on you or like um well of course you said that because you're this number um so that was like a really good validation of something I, i've definitely felt at times um i i really want to follow up with that enneagram institute um they talked about a tool that enneagram institute.com has which is seven layers 
seven levels of spiritual formation for each of the numbers. I think it was seven examples of spiritual healthiness or something like uh, that, yeah, or yeah, spiritual yeah. health. I think it was a, uh, seven something of spiritual health for each number. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went to try to find it, and their website's changed a little bit, I think, oh, since okay. he talked about it. But I found some things that are similar. Um, and yeah, because it's like, this is, here's an actual tool to change or right. to to see, to use the information you've learned about yourself for growth and yeah. things you should be. Um, uh, man, this is very small, but another thing that I'm definitely going to be taking away from this is the word telos, uh-huh. which I've heard a lot before, but I don't think I actually knew what it meant. And it's a objective or a... Um, an objective or uh, let me see i wrote it down um whatever an objective or a an ideal to aim for basically uh, so a tel- uh, a telos is like this is what i want i'm yeah. moving towards i'm going towards yeah and so with spiritual formation it's it's growth towards that telos oh i like that i yeah. like that a lot because he said that was one of the things that really distinguishes this conversation from secular conversations about you know just different self-care practices and things like that is like we have a different vision as christians of like what we're moving towards oh yeah i love that we have to be moving like we we have to be growing and changing like that's just part of life but um but yeah the vision that we're going towards is shaped by christ which is really cool um but yeah i love that because i do think i've been in a bit of a like uh self-aware i've been on a self-awareness bender you know, it's like too yeah. much. Yeah. I've ingested I, I think too our much world information. Is. Yeah, yeah. And it does, it feels good sometimes to be like, ooh, yeah. I understand like, myself more. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And uh, to to have that self-knowledge. But then, yeah, it's such a good point. Like, where are you going with it? Yeah. And I, I love that you, what you were saying. Maybe you remember they talked about the def, your definition of love and your definition of good and how much that, how important that is to these things. Like, if you're, they, he said that uh, people in his city talk about love a lot. Yeah. I think he's in Portland. Yeah. That's where John Montgomery's uh-huh. in. Um, and he said in their city, they talk a lot about love. But a lot of times when they say love, they mean sort of uh, desire to uh, be entertained by or consume. Like, I love tacos. I'm going to eat yeah. tacos. Or um, love can be um, <laughs> like a kind of a lustful thing or a. And he said, Dallas Willard's definition would be love is the selfless desire for good. Uh-huh. So I desire good things for the person I love, even to my own, even above my own good. Um, yeah. and I think that was really yeah. powerful. And but then he said, as Christians, or just in general, that doesn't make sense unless you have a good definition of good. You know, yeah. what is good for that person? What is right. good? Um, and he talked about another. I mean, another thing I'm going to take away from this podcast is um, a Hebrew word. Uh, do you remember it? I've wrote it down. Let me get it. I don't think I do. Um, it's the Hebrew word for wisdom. Oh, I'm, yeah. And I'm sorry I put my my uh, paper down. Um, but the Hebrew word for wisdom is hakma. Yep. And uh, the idea of hakma is that there is wisdom in how we are made uh, scientifically. Like there's truth in that. There's truth in how we're made scientifically and what's best for us and what's not good for us. Uh-huh. And he said, but the same is true for us <laughs> spiritually, relationally, um, 
emotionally that there are right ways to live and there are wrong ways to live. And if you live in those right ways, then there's prosperity, there's, um, there's fullness of life. And I think that was really interesting when it comes to, uh, the spiritual formation that, that there's almost a, a defined good that we're moving towards, not just a, uh-huh. not just a getting better every day sort of, right? you know, platitude or something, you know, it's, right. a, it's actually a goal that you're moving towards something. And so it kind of goes back to what we were saying just a second ago. Yeah. yeah. And in that whole idea of like abiding and like what, what's different, right? The Christian context, like the spirit of God in you um i loved what he said it enables you to not need your life to go a certain way Mm. that kind of like it was like i don't want you to say that yeah but i appreciate that a lot because i think that's right i think a lot of what i listen to that comes at this topic from a secular lens is like it's still very bias towards how do you get certain things in life and even as a Christian where you're sort of saying my relationship the result of my relationship with God what I want from the result of my relationship with God is for things to go my way yeah and here these are kind of my non-negotiables like these are the really really important things to me and when I heard that I felt like whoa that's that's truth I don't necessarily want to hear it but I I think that that is right that's like the next level um, right of for me of just like how do I even let go of that further and, or just like abide in Christ in a way that like, I don't need my life to go a certain way and trust in him yeah. in such a way that that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, so one way I want to wrap up these podcasts is to just sort of it, podcasts are really amazing. And obviously we're doing a lot of talking about a podcast. Um, there's tons of information. There's tons of uh, interesting ideas and people and smart people and, um, but a real downside of podcasts is they are ethereal. They go away. They're disposable or mm-hmm. however you want to say it. You know, I, I, you and I both experienced something where we went back to this podcast to listen to it a few more times and to examine it a little bit deeper and both kind of said in a brief conversation that it's a different experience to do that because you realize how much stuff you've already forgotten and how, right. how many things you've heard in this podcast that felt profound and important, but yeah. you we'll never think about it again unless you come back to it. Yeah. So anyway, all that being said, what's something that you really want to be sticky? Uh-huh. You want to be in your mind that it doesn't go away, that you come back to um, from this podcast. Yeah, that's good. Cause I, it's so, again, like, like I was saying with the self-awareness bender I've been on, it's also with podcasts, it's easy. Just like let mm. so much wash over you. Mm. But this, this is just a good time with it being uh, New Year's coming up and just thinking about like, okay, well, what what do I want to make space for this year? So I think that's the big thing I want to um, take away is just, okay, so I have felt this. I already have diagnosed this like toxic busyness in my life. But just shifting my focus to, okay, so how will I create space to abide in Christ in 2020. It's mm, good. Yeah. We're sitting here on new year's Eve having this conversation. It's Woo-hoo. a good, good time to think about what we're going to be doing the next year. Um, I think for me, I've been, I've, what was naturally something that stuck in my mind and I kept thinking about was the different, the comparison between 
deconstruction and the need for reconstruction or uh-huh. building up, not just tearing down right. of your faith uh, and creating, I, I think that flows into some of what you were saying of creating the thing to be pursuing spiritually uh-huh. uh, and spiritual formation and not just spiritual information. And um, it's like action. I need, I need yeah. action that is followed up by all these ideas and these things I like to, yeah. to talk about and think about. Um, and not just action like a list, uh, a to-do list, but action in that, what is this, what is, what, what is God teaching me here? And then what does that motivate me to do? Yeah. What's right to do based on that. Um, and I think with you too, the hurry part is important. Um, I feel like that's almost an impossible task to think about. Yeah. How do I approach the intricacy of hurry in my life yeah not intricacy but just yeah. the, the web of ways that it is in my life yeah um i've done better with that with quiet time and some of that stuff in yeah. this last year um personally had a hard year and spiritually in some ways but what's been really beautiful about that is i've been motivated to have that uh-huh. time where i really sought god uh-huh. um, and i've seen the just a really sweet fruit from that so i think i've that's gone better some in the last year um, but I think furthering that with the uh, taking out some of the hurry and the and making some space for that. Um, cool. Well, yeah. thank you for talking to me about it. Um, I'm sure that we will be back to the Vox podcast at some point. Yeah. Um, it is one of those ones that uh, I like a lot of the episodes. So, yeah. Um, maybe one. maybe we'll have another one to talk about at some point. Um, thanks for listening. Head to Anchor FM, Anchor FM slash Maristem if you want to. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know if you've listened to this episode or were inspired to. Um, We would love to hear what stuck out to you about it.